is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. All right. So uh, tonight, what we're going to be talking about, a really interesting title called Those Narrow-Minded Christians. Those Narrow-Minded Christians. You know, I know some people would say, uh-huh, finally we figured out what he's all about. He preached all those messages and said all those things because he's leading everybody to every single religion and everything else or, you know, to turn against Christians. but. That's not the case. I think that, you know, when a lot of the world considers Christians, they do really consider them narrow-minded. You know, Christians get a lot of flack for what they believe in, and they're always told, you guys can't see outside the box, you can't think outside the box, you're always looking to do things that offend people, and this and that, and, you know, all this other stuff, but where a lot of people will look at it as an insult, You know, I personally look at it as a compliment because of the fact that the things that the Bible says and all God calls for us to be able to know and to do and to say. Narrow-minded this day and age is not a bad thing, but I know a lot of people will say it is a bad thing. But, you know, when you really look at this, most people, and that that includes a lot of church people or self-proclaiming Christians, most of them don't even know what they believe. And that is a fact. Many of them will hold on to certain doctrines and they'll say some things and they'll say that's true. And then you take them over to another part of the word or the faith and they'll tell you it's not true. You know, well, I don't know if I believe that. But, you know, we've got to get to the place of totally understanding that when God calls us to do a thing and we call ourselves Christians, narrow minded is the way to go because there's only two ways in this world there is the way of Christ which is the truth. And there is the way of the devil that will expose you to 31 million flavors. We've got to figure out where we are and have an understanding of what this thing is about. Because when it comes down to it, narrow-minded is a safe thing. It's not a thing where, you know, a lot of people will say, man, you just can't think outside the box. Do you know, in some cases, you don't need to. You really don't. I mean, you know, the debate that I had a few weeks ago with the guy on Facebook, You know, like I said, he tried to take me to all these different places, but, you know, I kept bringing him back to the word. Hey, man, this is what the word says. Do you believe it or do you not? And of course, you know, he got offended and, you know, he tried to give me more philosophy and everything like that. But when it comes down to it, there's only two sources of everything. And one comes from God and the other comes from the devil. Now, we're going to talk a lot about that tonight, because when we look at all the religions of the world, a lot of people from the outside can't really see the difference between a Christian and, you know, a Muslim or a Buddhist or a Hindu or a New Age. To those people, it all looks the same. It all looks like, well, you worship your God fervently and and with all humility and they worship their God and do the, you know, the exact same thing. But when you Exactly. You know, that's what the whole coexisting is all about. 
And somehow we're told as Christians that if you don't know how to coexist with people, then you're, you're hate-filled, you're, uh, what is the word, homophobic, you're divisive, you know, you're intolerant. You just can't love and respect people for where they are. Well, let's see. We're going to compare all these things with the Bible because, you see, that's the world's understanding. The world's understanding is everything would be fine. We would be in a utopia. All would be well if it wasn't for those narrow-minded Christians. While everybody's playing and having a good time and enjoying themselves and doing what they want to do, these narrow-minded Christians always got to tell people about what God said, what the Bible says, what the scriptures say. Well, you know what? We're going to compare all these things to the word of God. We're even going to talk about the other religions and what they believe because, you know, it's important that we get a glimpse of the craftiness and the depths of Satan. Satan doesn't just come as a dragon. Satan comes also as a serpent. And a serpent can be very seductive. He can be sneaky. He can be subtle. He can do things to appear like he's good. But deep down, you know, he wants to do nothing more but stick his fangs into you. And this is what we've got to look at, the nature of Christ and the nature of the devil. You see, uh, I believe, I agree with Pastor Price when he mentioned something about Jesus Christ. He said that he believed that Satan didn't really have a problem with God the Father. He believes that Satan's problem was always Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was always the one that he had an issue with. In other words, like, why should we obey him when we can um, be up under you? Or, you know, why should we take his orders, even though he's your son? Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but the point is, is that name is hated quite a bit. I've seen other religions come together and I've seen them talk about what they believe. And you find no disparities between them, no divisions. I mean, they're all, well, what you believe is good, what I believe is good, and everything is fine. But I realize you can say the name of God everywhere. But if you mention that name of Jesus, man, you ruffle some feathers. It's the weirdest thing. And I've even tested this in the workplace and other places when I said I believe in God. And people will say, yeah, I believe in God, too, and blah, 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 about God. As soon as I say yeah, because, you know, that's one thing about Jesus, man. He really is good. And, man, you see people kind of, you know, I mean, it's like, what did I say that was so bad that you're uncomfortable now? But And they'll look around like, man, do you realize that name is not appreciated here? But you see, that is the manifestation of demons and how this thing really works. Everybody thinks that demons are, you know, you know, and then crazy and foaming at the mouth, but they're actually pretty normal functioning individuals. That's how hard they are to detect. But if you look at Islam, you know, Islam itself looks like it's a peaceful religion. They have their pilgrimages, they've got their holy land and all these things, but you're gonna find with all these religions, they all go back to Baal. If you ever heard the name of Baal in the Old Testament, whenever you see that sickle moon and star, they all represent the same thing. Even with Buddhists, they believe we're going to make it into nirvana. We're going to do all these things. We're going to have inner peace. But what they don't realize is what they're seeking after can't be gained outside of Jesus Christ. You can go and sit in a cave. You can sit quietly. You can narrow yourself down to just you in existence. 
But at the end of it all, it is the name of Jesus Christ that we all must submit to and get to know. This is the craftiness of the devil. Who would believe that Buddhism was a religion of Satan? Because it looks so peaceful. They're nice to everybody, but the Christians are the one telling people about they need to be saved or else. So you see, in the carnal world, it looks like, man, Satan is such a good guy. You know, it looks like all these things are what anybody would want, but you're going to find that they feed the flesh. They don't deal with what's really going on. Another revelation, um, hold your point, Sarah. Another revelation that the Lord had given me was the way that God the Father and the Holy Spirit work. And how did he do this with me? I went home to see my parents, okay? And I realized as much as I love my parents, you know, and, and, and my sisters and things, if a woman is a faithful wife, you know, she is going to act in many ways like the Holy Spirit. She will get on your case. She will tell you when something isn't right. She won't leave it alone. You know, the man may say, well, I, I got the plan. I got it figured out. And the wife will say, what plan? Where? Where, 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 where? I don't see anything. You said that you were going to be saving and putting aside. But as far as I'm concerned, you're just laying up on the couch. But you see, that's the faithfulness of a wife. And that's the way that the Holy Spirit is. If something is not right, he's going to bring it to your attention. He's not going to drop it. He's not going to leave you alone. He's going to give you that funny feeling within until you decide to make a change. But, you know, I also learned a lot about my dad and how I relate him. I believe the Lord was showing me with God the Father is, yeah, he was there. he's the head of the home, but he doesn't have to do a whole lot to make things happen. That is the authority that God has given men to do what they do. But you can easily look at any family and relate them to the God of the Bible and show that he truly is the creator. Even when you look at childbirth that other religions don't even talk about, how you got 40 weeks in the womb before you got the manifestation of life, just like you've got Jesus 40 days in the wilderness, Moses 40 days before he received what he received. You know, even when you think about the fountains of the deep and the water breaking open in the womb, okay, which is when the flood took place, you think about all these things go back to the creation. Now, one thing about truth is truth doesn't always feel good. Truth doesn't always, you don't always have to understand it at the time. But one thing truth will lead you to is being able to choose right from wrong. You're going to be shown what is so that you can make an educated or conscious decision. But one thing I'm learning about false religion is it never tells people what the end of it is. It just, you know, satisfies you at the moment when you don't even know where you're going yourself. Do you guys remember in John 4 and um, verse 24, uh, or maybe it's a little before that, but Jesus said to the woman at the well, because she was a Samaritan, he said, you worship, you know not what, but we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. And that's what the big difference is between being a Christian. And, and a, I don't even like to use the term Christian anymore because that's so loosely used. But a follower of Jesus, that's the biggest difference, is that he exposes truth to you that you might receive it and make the right decisions. He also exposes darkness to you that you may make the right decisions. 
But if you look up any other religion, I'm challenging anybody to speak to anyone in another religion, bring up the darkness of this world and watch the looks that you get. It's almost like you take them back a few notches and well, we don't focus on that. We only focus on the good things. But you see, what are the good things? Are the good things really good things or can they be evil things? So when we become narrow-minded and focused on the Lord, he exposes so much to us that we can truly know what is right and what is wrong. And the world's not ready to receive that because the world is evil. But you see, we're gonna talk about tonight the difference between narrow-minded, okay, and broad-minded. Don't you know if you've got a wife that's got a broad heart or a husband that's got a broad heart, that he can love his wife just like any other woman and be okay with that? But you know that if a, if a, a man's heart or mind is narrow towards his wife, that wife will feel special. Like, yeah, you may have a lot of friends, but this is the one that I'm supposed to be with. And this is where it is. So we're going to learn even in terms of relationships, as well as seeking truth, that the narrow way is totally the way to life, totally the way to life, totally the way to truth. And it is totally about Jesus Christ. Regardless of what they call us, we must obey God and stay where we are because this world is full of lies, full of deception, full of pleasures that have nothing to do with God that only mean to do one thing, and that is destroy you. Yes, sir. I was just going to make the point, and you kind of touched on it a little bit already with like the Buddhist religion, because they go sometimes, and there's some of the things that I've learned, and that they'll live in the temple, and that they mm -hmm. fast, mm -hmm. and they actually do a lot of, it's almost a lot of things that they do are very similar to what we do, but the one thing, the biggest thing that they miss out on is having that relationship with Jesus That's Christ. That's right. Because it's like when they fast, and they fast for weeks mm -hmm. at a time. Mm -hmm. But I've seen some people that have been in that have been in that religion, and it's like they were Buddhist monks, priests even, mm -hmm. and they go out and they get drunk, and they do all this other stuff, and it's just like basically kill themselves. And it's like, what was the point of doing all that if your life never changed? Yeah. You know? Because our faith is the only faith in the world where God himself comes inside of a man and lives in him. Yep. You know, that's the only faith that you can say that it was a Buddhist that actually converted to becoming a Christian, said that he was able to recognize that difference and gave his life to the Lord. That this is the only faith in the world where God will come down and live in a man that he may be a new creation and express himself through everything else. There's a lot of, you know, philosophy, a lot of, you know, feelings about a particular thing, a lot of rituals and practices, but they don't bring you closer to the Lord. You can always ask Muslims, Buddhists, Hindus, and all these other groups, you know, with all your experience and all the time that you spent in your beliefs, has it ever led you closer to God? And you'll find in many cases, they don't know what you're talking about because they can't get close to whoever it is that they believe. Because if they did see what his nature was really about, they would leave him. So the devil gives you a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of false doctrine, a lot of games. He often tries to shut our mouths because of the truth that we preach. But hey, there's nothing wrong with being narrow-minded in this. We've got to stick with Christ if we truly want to be saved and stay saved. So let's pray, guys, and we'll get right into this lesson. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, Lord, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for another day not promised to us. 
And we just ask, Lord, that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions and those things that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time that you've given me with my brothers and sisters near and far, that we have yet another day to be partakers of your word, to be edified by your spirit, that we may choose life and not death. And we just pray, Lord, that let no man's flesh be heard in his teaching. We pray, Lord God, that no flesh be glorified, that only by your spirit, the Holy Spirit, he that is meant to bring us into all truth and righteousness, the spirit of truth, we pray, Lord God, tonight that you speak, that you encourage your people to continue in your ways, that you pour steel down their spines that they may remain strong, that they develop the single eye, Lord, that you have preached so many times to us, that we may stay focused on you because this world truly belongs to the enemy, Lord, and all you've come to do is to set the captives free. So we just pray in Jesus' name that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of contention and confusion, every spirit of jealousy, malice, and hatred, all spirits of fear, doubt, and unbelief, we pray in Jesus' name that you bind the devil, that you cast him out like the dog that he is, that your people may get a great victory in you this day. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. We pray and we ask, Lord, that all these things be done for your glory and your honor alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, guys, so let's get started. Hey, Sister Tatiana, Sister Tanisha, Brother Sal, uh, who else is on tonight? Sister Tara, Sister Latoya, uh, what's that? Uh, Brother Cord, uh, let's see. Uh, all right, another's there. Who? And Brother Derek, all right. Yeah, he just came in, so anyway. All right, let's get started. Let's go to Psalm 96. Psalm chapter 96, and we're gonna begin at verse one as we talk about those narrow-minded Christians. Right. Psalm 96, let's look at verse one. And it says, oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Shoot forth his salvation from day to day. So if you look at this here, guys, when it talks about glorying in the Lord, that we ought to shoot forth the salvation of the Lord from day to day. In other words, when Jesus told us that we are the light and salt of the earth, then we should be the example of what Christ is. Now, remember when Jesus said to his disciples, or when one of them, I think it was Philip, asked him, you know, Lord, she was the father. And Jesus said, Philip, have you been so long time with me? And you, and you don't know, um, and you ask me such a thing, I believe he said. But he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the father. One thing that we gotta look at in terms of ourselves being Christians, Shewing our salvation from day to day is that when people see us, they should see Jesus Christ. That's how serious this thing is because we did a teaching once 
called What is Blasphemy? And a lot of people looked at that like, you know, like I thought blasphemy is just to say negative things about God, but blasphemy is even to call yourself a Christian, but the whole world sees you as a total different thing. That's not something that you want to do because you you defame the name of Jesus Christ when you put yourself up under that banner, but you're not acting accordingly. And this is why people will tell you, you know, hypocrites in the church. I don't go to church. Christians or they say this and they do that. Well, you know what? That's not the way as Christians we are supposed to be. We should shew the salvation of the Lord from day to day. When people see us, they should see Christ. Look at verse three. Declare his glory among the heathen, his, his wonders among all people. So again, declaring his glory among the heathen. You know, there's a lot of things that the Bible explains that a lot of these false religions don't. A lot of false religions will tell you, find your way, go your own way, have no way as way. See, all that stuff sounds real nice and real poetic, but people don't even realize before Muhammad died, Muhammad said, don't follow me because I don't know where I'm going. That is well documented. Buddhists didn't believe in a God, you know, whatever. He wanted people to follow after him. But the whole point is, without a guide, how do you and I know right from wrong? Everybody likes to do what is right in their own sight. But the truth of the matter is, we all need a standard to live up to so that we may know right from wrong. So he says, shoot his glory among the heathen. Look at verse four. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. Now, some people could say, well, I thought there was one God. There is one God, but this is a lowercase g God. You can make anything your God that you want to, but that does not make them the one true God. Okay, so that's a lowercase g. When we speak of our God, he is the, you know, he's capitalized. So look at verse five. Why does it say he's to be feared above all gods? Verse five says, for all the gods of the nations are idols but the Lord made the heavens. So one thing we understand about all the false, all the false gods, they are idols, but it makes clear what separates our God from theirs is he made the heavens. Look at verse six, honor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are his sanctuary. Give unto the Lord, O ye kindreds of the people, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. So what we're looking at in verse eight, this is a very powerful statement. It says, give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Do we even understand how great the name of Jesus Christ is? How great is our God? That he is to be held higher than anything that you can think of. But if, if we're going to be Christians and we're going to follow him, then we got to understand if we got, we're supposed to give him the glory due to his name. The best thing that we can do is give all to him. Give him a body that he may work in it. Yeah, Laura. Well, to test that also we have to do it. Exactly. Because the world reaction to Absolutely. People will freak out over the name of Jesus. I never fully understood that until the Lord made pointed to my attention what demons are. This is very much how it is. When God 
You know, if we're supposed to give God the glory according to his name, then we can't even fathom the holiness and all that the Lord stands for. We've got to treat Jesus not just like one of the others, like all the other religions try and do. We've got to know him as King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the living word that this Bible speaks of. Because if we can't fathom how good God is, then man, we shouldn't be using his name in vain. We probably in some cases shouldn't even be calling ourselves Christian because Christians mean like Christ. I'm not saying we're not gonna grow and we're gonna learn and we're gonna get there eventually, but that name is so great that we can't afford to down it according to how we feel. We have to treat the name of Jesus just like the Bible says that he was given the name of his father above every name, okay? So that name is greater than any name that you can name. Look at verse nine. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of, of holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Say among the heathen that the Lord reigneth, the world also shall be established that it shall not be moved. He shall judge the people righteously. Let the heavens rejoice and let the earth be glad. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof. Let the field of let the field be joyful in all that are that is therein. Then shall all the trees of the wood rejoice. Do you guys even think about the fact that when you look at Jesus making statements like, you know, if these people didn't worship me, that the very stones would cry out and praise the Lord? Have we even fathomed what that is about? How the very stones, if there were no other you know, uh, if there were no people in this world to worship God, all of creation would and does. Scientists even talking about that stars themselves have a harmonic sound to them. And when you go to, um, what is it, uh, Job 37, it talks about that the stars themselves will praise the Lord. The morning stars sang together. So we have no idea how God made this world but it's all meant to do one thing. All of his creation is to worship him. That is how great our God was. I remember being upset at um, you know, birds chirping in the morning while I'm trying to sleep. You just wanna grab a rock and throw it out the window and just tell them to stop. But you know that that chirping I found out was to get the, the uh, flowers to blossom in the mornings, that their chirpings actually wake up the flowers and they will actually, you know, bud out. Like they would, um, they would blossom. I mean, and the grass. That's an amazing thing how something that is extremely annoying to us, but even the birds themselves know their assignments. They'll go out there and sing and make noise just to bring forth the flowers, you know? And I mean, go ahead, bro. They're supposed to wake you up too, but since- <laughs> You know what, I believe that because the roosters wake people up, but you know, that's the goodness, man, and of God, how all of his creation obeys him. The only part of creation that does not obey God and God has a difficult time with is man. Everything else goes according to its nature, but man himself has a real problem with serving God. So if we're narrow-minded enough to like understand that that's God created that for us, mm -hmm. we're not be so mad at the birds in the morning. <laughs> There you have it. Get out of bed and do something. There you have it. Exactly. You should have gone to bed early. Right? Exactly. Look at verse 13. He says, before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with righteousness 
and the people with his truth. So you see, that's the truth of what everything is. When you get down to the end of it all, we're all gonna stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day to give an account for all the deeds done in our mortal bodies. No matter what we've done, no matter how we think we might've gotten away with some things, we're all going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ one day, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's not bragging, that's just fact. This is why a lot of people hate Christians because Christians have the view that, hey, this is what the Bible says. This is the truth. But you see, how do you convince people of that if we go with the we go with the flock? Whatever the group says, we go along with. Whatever they believe, we believe. You know, when it comes time to stand for Christ and to tell people the truth, many of us will say, well, you know, we ought to love one another. Don't hate the sin or hate the sin. Man, that's foolishness because this is not about hating anybody. This is about telling people the absolute truth so that they can get in line with the truth. That's what the whole thing is about. The whole thing is about getting in line with what is true and what is false. All right. So anyway, let's move on, guys. Let's move on. Let's go to Romans 12. Romans chapter 12. And we're going to begin at verse one as we talk about those narrow minded Christians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, I know some people may get offended by it, but hey, tune in and see what we're talking about. That's how the world views us. We have put a bad taste in the mouth of people that are not seeking truth and don't really want to know how things are. But the worst thing that a Christian can do is be in the truth and compromise the truth. It really is because we're the light and salt of the earth. Hey man, our job is to shed light on Christ that people may come to him. So, you know, I run into a lot of people, man, at work and other places and people will say they believe in Jesus. But man, when you talk to them about what they really believe, you find out that is not the case. Many of them believe in another Jesus, another gospel and another spirit, like second Corinthians uh, chapter 11 talks about. So if you look at Romans 12, let's look at verse one. He says, I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So we ought to work with the Lord. We ought to give him a body. Let the Lord be able to work through us. Those are the first stages of getting saved. But I love verse two where it says, and be not conformed to this world. You look at the word conformed. This is G4964. That word is to confirm or to conform oneself, one's mind and character to another's pattern. Fashion oneself according to. And it says, uh, let's see, to conform of the same pattern figuratively, uh, conform to fashion self according to. So it just repeats itself. But the point is, is, can we honestly say in our lives as believers, those who love the Lord, that we don't conform to the world? Can we honestly say that we don't fix our minds and character after others' patterns? You see how narrow this gate is and how, and how uh, serious this whole thing is, is that as Christians, 
we're supposed to walk in a whole new life. So when he says not to be conformed with the world, it's not to follow the character and patterns of the world. But you find in many cases in the world, that's what we do. These are areas where we must look at if we're going to walk with Christ and be able to get in line with him. Because you know we don't do the world any favors by trying to be like them. We do the world favors by introducing them to Christ. The same gospel that saved you will save another. So we can't afford to compromise. So he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So it first begins in not being conformed to the world and then to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the way that we originally thought, the things that we used to do before finding Christ, we're realizing here we can't do anymore. We've got to change. We've got to figure out what God wants. We first present our bodies, not be conformed, and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So you see, how many people that I can uh, point to here, and I'm not putting anybody on the spot, but how many of us sitting here right now know what God is calling them to do in their lives? How many here know your purpose concerning Christ? Sarah does? Yeah, I think I might have figured it out. You think you might have figured it out? All right. Christina, yeah. Melissa, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that's the great commission. Go ye out into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, right? He that believeth and is baptized will be saved. He that believeth not will be damned. That is true. We all should be evangelists for the Lord, no matter what we're choosing. But could it be that we don't evangelize like we should because we might be conforming? Is that a possibility? I'm not pointing a finger at anything. I'm just saying, let's think about that. Let's think about that. Huh? I said that can't happen because I think the the closer we draw to the end, the devil is going to try and get us more and more complacent mm -hmm. in our lives. And he's going to try and get us relaxed or get us in this or, or feelings and emotions. That way, when the end comes, we're not, we're not ready for it. Absolutely. And I think the whole thing is, is why lately the Lord has got me talking about these topics. Man, guys, if we really truly understood what was coming, man, what we're heading towards, the Lord has even shown me the deception, not all of it, but just bits and pieces of it. And things are going to get so twisted. Some of the closest people in this world, man, are going to betray you. There's so many things that are going to take place with us in this life that you are not going to be able to believe your own eyes. Now, I know that sounds hard when people can say, well, the Bible says, well, what happens if the Bible is not in front of you anymore? Would you still believe? Have you studied enough? Is the word living in you? Is it the person of Jesus Christ that you know that may cling or keep you to cling to the faith? Because we're heading to a time where you're gonna be seen as crazy for what you're preaching. Uh, Laura, yeah. <laughs> it's even the, um, they're trying to push in the United Kingdom, which will soon be in America, if it's not already, to teach six-year-olds how to masturbate as part of school. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people are just like, oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Exactly, because you know what? People, parents, 
and others have given up their rights long ago. When they took God and prayer out of schools, when all these things were going on, nobody stood up. When they said that homosexuality is okay in the world, and you know, the church should adopt these things, what are you seeing? People conforming with the time. Everybody's going crazy over Kanye West, and you got some really good, smooth talkers out there telling you, you know what, how can you judge him? At least he's winning people to Christ. The question I wanna ask people is, is he, is he really bringing people to Christ? Because you see, some people just wanna go along to get along. And in this faith, guys, that's not gonna cut it. You've got to know whose side you are on and you've got to be willing to stand for the truth no matter what. Because the devil has got a deception coming that is going to make you not even believe that which you saw, that which you know to be true. We did a teaching a week ago on the Mandela effect, and we know that the end game is going to eventually be the scriptures, especially the electronic Bibles, especially when they start changing things around in there. And if you don't know your word, you're going to get snared with some stuff. But one thing, the reason why the Lord brought this, this message to me and put it on my heart, because, man, we're going to have to be like these old terms or, you know, you these bad mamma jammers for Jesus Christ. We've got to really be what Jesus calls us to be. We can't afford to have chinks in our armor. We've got to really believe and know that we know because the devil has got something special. And that's why it is important that we give our hearts to the Lord first and foremost, and you let him distribute that heart to where he wants it to go. Because if you've got any residue of the old life in you, any pieces eventually of Adam in you that you won't allow the Lord to take out. I'm telling you guys, as sure as you are male and female in this room, by nature, you're gonna stray away from Christ if your heart is in another place. That's what Jesus preached. That's what he wants his people to know. And he wants us to understand we cannot afford to compromise no matter what is said about us, because this is just a proving ground. We haven't even reached the place that we need to be yet in the Lord, but we will never get there if we compromise the truth. We must understand that everything the Bible says, everything that Jesus Christ says is the absolute truth. And if we can't stand on that, guys, we're going to be given over to all sorts of delusion. A lot of people have conformed to the world because they don't even realize that they're doing it. A lot of people have never been really shown the true faith. A lot of people have never seen a Christian in time and space really doing what Christians do. And you see, the reason for that is a lot of people are following people and saying, well, Derek is a Christian, you know, so if I act like him, I should be okay. I'm telling people, don't act like me. I've got my own problems. I've got things that the Lord is working out in me. The goal is to be like Christ, to get to know him and conform to him. Because if you go according to other so-called Christians, I'm telling you what's going to happen. You're going to not go any further in the Lord as you should. You're going to believe as everybody tells you to do. And you will have the same amount of watered down faith that you're not supposed to. We must compare everything to the word of God and to Jesus Christ if we truly want to grow and be able to stand in those days. I know that, you know, a lot of us are not ready to hear these things and go through things, but you know what? I feel like it's doing a disservice to anybody 
that does not know the purpose of coming to Christ. You are coming to Christ to save your life and to save the life of others. You are getting off of a sinking ship that is gonna be burned up one day and you're going into eternity with Jesus. You are gonna have family members turn on you. You are gonna have friends turn on you. You're gonna have your job turn on you. You're gonna have your pastor turn on you. You're gonna be kicked out of the church for the stuff that we're preaching because you see, everybody is not able to receive the truth. You know, I was talking to um, some brothers and sisters about God's elect. And you know what the Lord was actually showing me in prayer is that when God loves you, he, I mean, he loves us all, but he doesn't let his elect do the things that the world does because he needs you. He can't even afford to spare one. He wants you to be in that place with him that he's not gonna give you a lot of the things that the world gives you, that the world wants, because he's got to preserve his people for a time that they may represent him and win souls no matter what. But this is no game. This is not just something that we just decide to join or become a part of. We must be born again unto a new life and a new nature that even if the devil told you to go left and he was looking like, you know, a false Jesus, by nature, you're gonna turn right because that's what the Lord has called you to do. Right. You can't afford to even trust in your senses in the time we're going into. It's about who you know and becoming like him and doing all that he says to do. Let's go to Matthew 7. Anyone has anything to add, please do. Matthew chapter 7. I did hear a sermon on the radio. I thought it was a, a good point. And it said that the difference between milk and meat is when you're getting milk, you're getting spoon fed. Meaning mm -hmm. you're just listening to sermons. But when you get meat, you read the Bible. That's right. <laughs> so and you listen, but you got to read. Mm -hmm. And you desire to have more. That's really what it is. Like Laura is right. You don't see anybody being spoon-fed steak unless there's some kind of king in some foreign country, you know? But, you know, people, when they want to eat, they will actually eat. They will go forward and get what they can get. And when you're spoon-fed, it's kind of like you feel in some ways forced. But we got to be able to step outside of that and believe God. We got to desire him. You've got to come as a free will offering to the Lord. No one can make you do this. If you are doing this for any other reason other than to have Jesus Christ, you're kidding yourself in this. He is the end all be all of all that is. Nothing else is going to stand up in these days. So look at Matthew uh, 7, look at verse 13. Jesus says, enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat. So, you know, uh, Matthew 7, and it's verse 13. Yeah. So you see, Jesus makes clear here, enter ye in at the straight gate, wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many be there be which go in thereat. So as you can see, I'm not going to say most people won't be saved, but the point he's making clear is, it's unlikely that many people are going to find the right way, the broad way. What is the broad way? Does anybody know? Well, the broad way is, it's religion, 
is not having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, basically going the direction that everyone else goes. It's the direction that Satan will lead people into. You think that you're good, you're good, or in good with God, but all you're doing is a lot of religious works. There's mm-hmm. no actual following Jesus Christ. The narrow way is leave the Bible 100% without question. You, you take God at His word. You want to have a relationship with Him. You want to fellowship with Him. You want to do His will. And you're going to be looked at as crazy for that because you're standing against everything that the world stands for. Mm-hmm. The broad way of oh, yeah, Sister Deborah. Absolutely. The Broadway is the self-life. If anybody even wants a glimpse of what the Broadway looks like, you can look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 about men being lovers of their own selves. Mm-hmm. It is you to be God instead of God over your life. Hey, Brother Sam. Yeah. I also see the word Broadway, like Hollywood, like it's a show. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what whether you're Christian or not, it's just a show of your goodness instead of actually being cut from the inside and actually internal. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, because, you know, it's a broad appetite. It's a broad frame of mind. You know, it's a man that that believes what Adam believes. I can be my own God. I can make my own decisions. I can do what feels right to me and not according to what God wants for me. That's the broad way. The broad way has fear of men. The broad way likes to accommodate the flesh. The broad way just wants to go along to get along. But you see, that's not what Jesus Christ is looking for. He says many, there be, that go in there at. Many go into the way of destruction. You see, but look at what he says in verse 14. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. He didn't say most, he didn't say some, He said few. Now, if you're a Christian, that ought to strike fear into you about you can't afford to fool around in this thing. If there are few there be that find the true way, then it's even possible that we can believe that we're on the right path and not be. Now, I'm not trying to bring doubt to this, guys. I'm trying to make us all understand that it seems like there are a lot of people that will believe I'm going the right way. But you see, a lot of them are just going in through the broad way. Why is it that few go in through the narrow way and most go in through the broad way? What do do you think there could be that can cause many to go in through the broad way? What? Fear. That's one thing. That's another thing. I guess the way I think of Broadway is like downtown, you know, you're... Mm-hmm. You're trying to get to school at PSU or something, but it's like there's all these shops, stores, fun everywhere, lights flashing. It's like mm-hmm. it's so many distractions. So it's like everybody gets distracted. That's it. You know, it's a it's a double mind. It's a double heart. It's a broad doctrine. You see, everybody doesn't take God's word at face value. Doctrine. We did a teaching of a week a, a week and a half ago called Doctrine Separates. It truly does. If we don't believe all the same and take God's word as truth, 
then we're going to go in through the broad way to accommodate another, to do what we enjoy to do, to believe whatever makes us feel good. And that's not what we're called to do. We're called to follow after the Lord Jesus Christ and do what he tells us to do. And you know what? The world doesn't like that because the world has 31 million flavors. But as for the Christian, we've got to keep it in the place where God is calling us to obey. Because if we step outside of that, guys, there is nothing outside of the word of God other than death. And that's how we've got to see this thing. Outside of the words of life is death. Outside of everything that the Lord calls us to is death. And that's how we've got to walk and live in this life. Now, some people would say, well, does that mean I can't get an education? I can't go to work? You can go to work and get an education. But if you follow the Lord, okay, then you know that he's expecting certain things from you where you are. And that's what it's all about, being led by his spirit, having him in your mind all the time, having him in your heart when there comes a time to speak up for him. Because if we step outside of that, man, the only thing outside of believing Christ is death. And that's how we've got to see it. That's why they call us narrow-minded Christians, because they don't see all the fun that goes on in amusement parks. They, we don't understand. We don't understand that even though homosexuality is considered an abomination, that they find it, well, I have joy and I have pleasure in that. You see, they don't see why it's not good that two men could be mother and father or, or husband and wife and two women be the same. They miss the understanding of what that is about, like reproduction. You see, God's word, and if you look at everything in this world, it all goes in line with the creation, all right? Men and women get together, they're able to have children. Maybe not in every single situation because of some things, but the bottom line is it all accommodates the creation. It all accommodates what God wants. A lot of people don't know that even uh, sodomy itself that people commit can give you all sorts of diseases. There are new studies and tests and things going on that tell us, and we should know in our own minds, we're not supposed to be eating and drinking out of the toilet. You know, but you see, when you have an appetite for that which is worldly or that which most people do when you're conforming, this is the type of thing that you can find yourself getting into and developing an appetite for, and these things are not of God. Who's, uh, it's on Sarah, yeah. yeah. And a good point because when you did uh, what was that one study? Uh, the one about transhumanism, the one that you recently just did. Oh, uh, the Iron and Myri Club. Yeah. yeah. Um, a good point that was brought up about transhumanism is that if we really look at what the, if we go behind the scenes of what the devil is trying to do, then that's really what homosexuality, transgender, binary. Uh, all that kind of stuff is actually leading to is transhumanism. Mm -hmm. Because if you can take away, um, you know, the love of your neighbor, if you can take away, you know, doing the two commandments that God commanded us to do, to love the Lord and to love the neighbor, if you can take that out of people's minds and just say, you know, just love as you will and be okay with the life that you're living and, you know, if anyone says anything against you on that, just say, well, you're not a loving person. Then he's blinded the people's minds to understand that it's all going towards 
taking us out entirely. That's his whole goal. But people don't want to see it that way because, you know, we may be called the narrow-minded ones, so we get the bigger picture. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing, too, that we got to understand even about man is he can't govern himself. Mm-hmm. Okay, man cannot govern himself. Man believes that he can because of all he's might have learned and, you know, he comes up with all these things, but man cannot govern himself. Man needs God in him to be able to be governed because man will almost certainly make the wrong decisions. He'll go according to his beastly nature and not fall in line with the righteousness and holiness of the Lord. Look at verse 15. He says, beware of false prophets, which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. So what is the Lord exposing us to here? He's making it clear, man, these guys are gonna seem godly. Your eyes will tell you that this is a prophet or good man of the Lord, but Jesus says that many of these guys are ravening wolves. He's even showing us what's a part of that broad gate. You're gonna have the appearance of righteousness, but they themselves won't be righteous. You can't listen to who you like. You gotta listen to the truth and who is preaching the right doctrine. Look at verse 16. He says, you shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. He says, wherefore by their fruits you shall know them. So you see, it's all about the actions. It's all about what people are really doing. You see, because I've met a lot of smiling faces in ministry only to find out, man, that they speak like dragons. You know, I can see the overall agenda in a lot of places when people are preaching their doctrine that there's some subjects that they never talk about. And you would have to ask yourself, why is that? And some people will say, well, you know, there are different kind of ministers out there. You know, some preach on some things and others preach on others. I'm here to tell you that's an outright lie because when does the Bible tell us to become specialists in one particular thing? When does the Bible ever say that? The Bible tells us study to shew yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed who can rightly divide the word of truth. So we should be able to understand this word, read it and be able to teach it unto others. But you know, Jesus is making clear here, you're gonna have a lot of people that are gonna appear righteous and they will not be. He says, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, uh, have we not prophesied in thy name? and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So now we're looking at something else here. Jesus uses the word know. Isn't it funny how Jesus didn't say, you know, well, yeah, you did some things right, but you didn't do others. He said, I never knew you. So what does that mean? that we've got to know the Lord. In the Hebrew, because this is the Greek, but the Hebrew word for know means yada. That means to be intimate with. 
That means to know in an intimate way. If we do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we will not be able to know what God's will is for you. We've got to be able to hear from the Lord. We got to be led by the spirit that we may tell people what they need. But there are a lot of people today don't even think that they need a relationship with the Lord themselves. And a lot of them call themselves Christians and think that they know Christ. Those are, that's the broad way. I go to church, I sit there, I look nice and happy. I say wonderful things to everybody and I go on home and continue on with my life. That is not what it's about. A true Christian, the word church means ecclesia. It means those who are called out unto the Lord, separated unto him, those who know the Lord personally, that they may go and do his work. Because a lot of people will be struck with that. You can go right into a church and say, how many people in here know what the will of God is? And a lot of people don't. Yes, we ought to be evangelists, but how did he tell you to be? What did he set you up to do? Where did he call you to go? You see, these are all things that we cannot have unless we are intimate with the Lord. Outside of that, you don't know what his will is. So he says, and then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. It means I never had intercourse with you. I've never, I've never worked through you. I've never, you know, uh, led anybody to, to me through you. This is something to think about. He says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that rock and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. So what is he saying? That we need to know him. What is he saying? We need to obey him. We need to spend time with the Lord. He says, for those who hear these sayings of mine and do with them, that's a wise man. Because when tribulation and trial and all these things come, when the majority is standing against you, you will not fail because you are founded upon the rock. You built your house upon your relationship with Jesus Christ. He says in verse 26, and everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We're not building our faith in Jesus Christ and we're not drawing close to him and we're not, and we're compromising every chance we get to, to do what we need to do. Your faith will not stand in these days. It's so important guys, because it's us against the world. That's why the Bible tells us greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, okay? Because the world itself does not accommodate Jesus Christ. It's those who know the Lord, who, who believe the doctrine and are separated unto him to do his will. That's what this is about. If we're compromised, we can't obey God. We can't follow the Lord because God will be telling you to do one thing, but what's really in your heart will be leading you to another place. I speak from experience. Okay, I know what it is to say, God told me, or I'm going to do this, or God wants me to do this. But what was the truth in it? It was what I wanted to do when I stamped God's name on it. You see what I'm saying? And when you get used to living like that, 
you won't seek a relationship with the Lord because you developed a new phrase, the Lord said. So if I can just say the Lord said, I'm scot-free. But if you believe that and you got no relationship with the Lord, your house will fall. Think about the things in our lives that we're already compromising because of the fact that we haven't given the Lord all of our heart. This is what it's all about. We've got to get to know him, grow, grow closer to him. And in the day when all these things come around, okay, we will be able to stand because we are founded upon a rock, our true relationship with Jesus Christ, not compromising the gospel and not going according to what we believe or what others tell us. This thing has got to be so one way. <laughs> it's got to be so concrete that we can't see it any other way. Jesus Christ is right. The word of God is right. And if we don't conform to what he calls us to, then hey, for those who don't believe, we'll be damned. And that's the way we've got to see it. Because you see, you can get challenged with this. I feel like personally, when I went home, the devil was testing me. I had a good few days with my family and did different things like that. But the Lord, as faithful and good as he is, always leaves us what Laura calls these doorways and these windows. Now it's time to inject the gospel. Now it's time to speak about Jesus Christ. And you know what I found out? When you stand for him, there's nobody that can stand against you. And there were many of them that, you know, heard the word and said, hey, this is true. I can't argue with this. I can't deny this. But I've also known what it is to stand in front of crowds where you're the only one that seems crazy because you've offended somebody's mother or their cousin or their friends or whatever. We got to get to the place of just trusting God. And, you know, that's why it's important that we truly know him above all. He's got to be more real to us than anything. God won't allow some of us to get married and some of us to go and do things because he knows that it'll be an idol to you. He knows that if he allows that to happen, then you'll lose. He'll lose you, you know, to whatever it is that's going on. That's why it's important that we go with him first, get strong in him, and let him do what he needs to do with us. Because outside of that, we can call ourselves compromised. We can start seeking after things that are not of him. And when we do that, like Jesus says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And I'm in this thing where you begin to die out to self and become alive to Jesus Christ. You don't even care whether or not people believe you or not. Lately, I do not waste a whole lot of energy trying to convince people of the gospel. I tell them the truth. I show them where it's written. If they want to argue, hey, man, I got things to do. I'll pray for you. But that's where I'm at right now, because you see, we got to go after those souls that really want to be saved. And we can't compromise those things if we're serious about it. Look at Luke 11. Look at what Jesus says in verse 23. Luke 11, guys, look at verse 23. And if you've got a red letter Bible, this is written in red letter. The Lord says in verse 23, Luke 11 and 23, he that is not with me is against me. 
He that gathereth not with me scattereth. So we got to look at this. If we're not with the Lord, then we're against the Lord. We can't see this in any other way than the truth concerning that. There are areas in my life that the Holy Ghost, and there are areas in my life that the Holy Ghost doesn't control. Don't you know with that little whatever percentage I have that's there, that the devil can use me to do his will if I won't allow the Holy Ghost to take every part of me? This is how important it is. We must give our affections and things over to the Lord because the Bible tells us in 1 John chapter 3 that, you know, he that um, is born of God does not commit sin. It took me a while to put my mind around that and understand it. But you see, that's a person that's got Christ fully formed in them and they have given all things over to the Lord. They can't be bought. They can't be sold. They can't be seduced. And they can't be told uh, that the Bible is not real. These are people that are sold out to Christ, have Jesus Christ fully formed in them, and they're obeying. But guys, if we don't gather with the Lord, then we scatter. If we're not with Jesus, then we are against him. And sometimes to sit silent and say nothing shows that you're against him. And we can't see that in any other way. Oh, this teaching tonight is going to ruffle some feathers. Don't worry about it. But that's okay. Sometimes the Lord has got to perform surgery that some things can be done. And surgery don't always feel so good. But this is what it is. If we don't gather with Jesus, then we scatter. That means even if Derek gets off work, you know, comes on home, sees people in the street that need Christ, and I ignore them, go up and lay on my couch because I need a nap, you know, then I'm scattering in many ways because I know the truth. But, you know, I didn't see anybody worthy to preach the gospel to because I value my time alone. I feel like I deserve a load off when, you know, the rest of the day is done. But you see, and I'm not saying in every little case, I'm just bringing up the point that do we even think about as we go to and fro with our daily affairs, do we even think about preaching the gospel? Do we even think about saving a soul? Or do we have priorities that are more important than gathering for Jesus Christ. Just something to think about, man. I ain't looking for a show of hands because I'd have to stick my hand up there too sometimes, you know, but this is what it's really about. This is how we conform. This is how we coexist. This is how we go through the broad gate. This is how we have the broad mindset. All right, let's move on. I want to go to Joshua 24. We're going to dip in the Old Testament a little bit before we come into the new. But look at Joshua 24. The thing is that we already live in a compromised society. Maybe some areas it's not as much as in others, but we definitely know what's out here already. Mm -hmm. Look at everything that Everything that's out here, I mean, everywhere you go, there's a there's the, the homosexual flag. And I hate to say that because that's what's supposed to represent God never playing her. Uh, mm -hmm. And they stole it. Satan stole it. Mm -hmm. And so, but, and they say, oh, it represents peace and love. But you go hang a Christian flag somewhere and see how many people just get irate. So how is that, mm -hmm. I mean, how is this? 
you know, coexist. I mean, how is that supposed to be peace and love? Mm-hmm. You take the flag and then put Noah's Ark on it and the hanging prayer window. <laughs> exactly, because that's really what it's all about, you know. But you see, I believe what Pastor Price said is true. He says that he believes that this world is only full of two people. This world only has two different types of people in it, and that is saints and that is sodomites. Now, I believe that every law being passed today that goes against the Bible is only meant for one purpose, is that there may be a sodomite colony, that, you know, that it's really about the laws that are for them. The Lord even pointed to my attention that even while we were fighting for civil rights in the 60s, in the 50s, and all these other things that blacks were going for and other minorities, that the real end game was not to give rights to the blacks and and, and all the other races, but it was to further along the homosexual agenda. Why? Because this thing is ramping up so quickly and they relate everything to the civil rights movement. But are we violating their civil rights? No. They can work just like you can work. They can get an education just like you can get an education. But when they try and corrupt the minds and push their beliefs on people that we're supposed to accept their lifestyle, I don't like it because it's a predator spirit. That's where we have a problem. You see, everybody's looking at how they feel, but we don't even know that sin itself is not a victimless crime. Sin itself will spread abroad wherever it begins to bear fruit. Because I'm seeing it. You find one, remember back in the days, if anybody's old enough to remember, you might have known maybe one, maybe two homosexuals in your, um, wherever you were, wherever you existed, it was probably one or two. Now, man, you can't order a cup of coffee, drive a cab or do whatever without it being there. And I'm not preaching hate right now. I'm trying to tell people that when we like to say things like, don't hate the sin or hate the sin. When we like to say things like, as long as it don't bother me, I don't care what people do. You see, the the only way for evil to triumph is for men who know the truth and good men to do nothing. When you don't gather for Christ, you scatter. So who's at fault for this agenda being so broad and being so big? It's the church, okay? It's the church's fault. You know why? The church is the light and salt of the earth. The church is supposed to know. The church should have been standing there in the face of adversity preaching the truth. But instead, they developed a broad mind. You know, well, that's not, you shouldn't say certain things. Yeah, well, what about all these people going to hell? Do they not need to be saved? Do they not need to stand before Jesus Christ one day and give an account for what they've done? You see, that's what this is all about. These narrow-minded Christians that won't just let well enough go along, let everybody be happy and do what is right in their own sight because we're always preaching, you know what? It's an abomination. And I'm here to tell all you narrow-minded Christians that are, that are sitting before me now and listening to me on YouTube, you become in these last days even more narrow-minded, okay? More intolerant, more divisive, and more willing to preach the gospel that people will come to the truth because we are the only hope that the world has. If we die out to this, then this thing is going to grow as you see, and it will take over. We've got to get our minds and our hearts in that place that yes, narrow is the way.
Look at Joshua 24 and look at verse one. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. So what you see with Joshua here, he brought everybody that was in this thing to hear the truth. And Joshua said unto the people, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. So he's making it clear to them, guys, this is what used to be. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it, but Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. So notice first, the example that Joshua was bringing is, he had to take Abraham and he had to separate him because his father Terah, if you read the book of Joshua, was a worshiper and a believer of Nimrod. These guys served other gods. He had to take Abraham and separate him. And when he separated Abraham, he began to multiply. You see that? So anyway, he says, I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterwards, I brought you out. And I brought your father out of Egypt, and ye came unto the sea of the Egyptians, uh, I mean, unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt and ye dwell in the wilderness a long season. If you look at verse seven again, notice that he says that he put darkness between the Egyptians and the Israelites. Look at verse eight. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwell on the other side, Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, Therefore he blessed you still, so I delivered you out of his hand. And ye went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. So notice that Israel was victorious in battle as long as they kept their minds on the Lord they could not be beaten. God's church is no exception. Look at verse 12. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword or nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which uh, ye did not labor and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards uh, and olive yards, which ye planted, uh, do not ye eat. So the Lord is saying, you didn't even do anything to get any of this. 
all you did was believe me and go into the land. He says that they even took the land without bow and without sword. They didn't even have to war. The Lord warred for them as long as they believed God. Look at verse 14. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. So 14 has got a lot of information of it in it. He says, fear the Lord. That's the first thing. And serve him in sincerity and in truth. We cannot serve the Lord when we're not in truth. We can't put aside the truth and try and give everything to God. We have to serve him in sincerity of heart and in truth. But that's not all. And we've got to put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. What is he telling us here? Take the idols out of your lives, the things that is messing with your prayer time, the things that's messing with your Bible study time, the things that are keeping you from being offensive for God and knowing his will. Those things have to be put away. And what does he do next? He turns them unto serving the Lord, serving him, giving him everything that he needs. But God is not going to tolerate another God in your life. If we want to be fruitful, we want to be successful, we want to walk through the straight gate and the narrow way, then we've got to put aside some of that baggage that is keeping us from getting through that door. Verse 15, and if, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Isn't that beautiful? Joshua says, hey, I realize some of the people here may not like what I just said. But he said, if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord, then you choose you this day whom you will serve. That's what it is. That's what the gospel does. When it brings us back to the truth in everything that is, when it separates and gives us understanding of good and evil, now the choice is yours. God says, I lay before you blessing and cursing. You choose. If it seems evil or rough or hard in what I'm saying, and you don't want it, then choose. Because you see, if it's gonna come down to that and this is too rough for you, then don't call yourself a Christian. Because you see, you're not the only one that has to go through this walk. You're not the only one that had to face persecution. You're not the only one that had to forsake a life for a life. This is what we all must do. This is what we all must rid ourselves of and adopt a new life, which is in Christ Jesus. That's what this is about. And of course, these things take time. But the point I'm making is, this is the goal. The goal is to be set free from the heavy baggage. What Paul refers to in Hebrews chapter 12, laying aside every weight and the sin thereof, which so easily besets us and let us run our race with patience, the, the, uh, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We got too much baggage to go through the straight gate. But when we got a lot of idols in our lives, you're gonna have a broad mind. You're gonna compromise. You're gonna do what's necessary to keep you afloat. But we've got to unload that baggage and pick up what the Lord wants us to if we wanna go through that gate. So he says, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, 
we will serve the Lord. So Joshua didn't say, you must, you know, whatever. He said, hey, man, if what I said is too rough for you, I'm not burning up energy over this. You're either going to God or bail. You're either going to go over there or you're going to be over here. That choice is yours. But he says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You see, we've got to be able to walk alone in this thing when no one else agrees with you. We've got to know the truth that is in Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Kings 18. I think the only reason why the Lord is exposing all this to is it's getting late in the game, man. There are a lot of people that are looking at 2020 and they're thinking it's like the year of perfect vision, you know, that that's the election year. There's going to be a lot of stuff going on. I believe that there's a candidate in Portland, Oregon. Is he from here, Sarah? That guy whose name starts with a B? You're the one that told me about him. He's from Chicago, Illinois. Well, this guy is uh, the first, well, openly homosexual candidate that's running for president. Is that the guy? Okay. Now, I'm here to tell you, if it comes up from the top, then you know what's going to happen next. You know every single law is going to be put in place, okay, that is going to accommodate them and not the Christians. And you know what? We got to get ourselves prepared. We got to get ourselves right. We got to get ourselves ready to see where this thing is headed. This world does not accommodate the Christian. It does not accommodate the Christian. So we've got to be able to stand strong in the Lord because in 2020, you mark my words, a lot of people are going to lose their faith. A lot of people are going to get compromised. A lot of people are going to go to those things that satisfies them and their lifestyles and they're going to walk away from the Lord. We've got to make sure that we get it in line with him and we obey him. Because if anybody's preaching anything other than the fact that you need to forsake all to walk with Jesus Christ, then they're doing you a disservice. Yes, time by time, the Holy Spirit works with us and he removes things out of our lives. He works with us. He's the perfect teacher. He knows what experiences to give us that we can grow and be stronger in him. But I want to ask people one thing tonight. Do you think that God is going to wait for every single Christian to reach full maturity before all the trouble begins? Do you really think that's going to happen? Some people are going to have to be born in it. Some people are going to have to go through it. But one thing they will be able to cling to is the truth of the gospel. It won't be because they didn't know. It's because they chose something else. So we've got to get to that place of believing the word of God. Because right now, this just seems so, you know, man, can't he talk about something else, about the love of Jesus? But you see, when these things tip off, everybody's going to remember all this stuff. You're going to remember it. And it's going to ring loud and clear. So let's look at verse 21. First Kings 18 and 21. Elijah came unto the people and said, how long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. 
But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. This is much of what we're dealing with today. How long, Elijah is asking, are we gonna be halt between two opinions? If God be God, then we should follow God. But if he's not, then we should follow Baal. So pretty much what Elijah is saying here, there is no in between. There is no fence that we can sit on. There are no bleachers that we can sit back and watch the game. We've got to get in this thing and we've got to choose who we're going to side with. This is what it's going down to. And God is going to allow that fence that many people are sitting on to burn away. Why? Because you've got to choose. That's just like somebody asking your husband or wife or significant other, do you want to be with me or you want to be with her? Do you want to be with me or you want to be with him? And you answer them not a word. How does that sit with you? You think, well, one of y'all going to be sleeping on the couch. Somebody's going to have to be, hey, you're going to have to go until you figure this whole thing out. So it's just as troubled as we are when someone is not sure whether or not they want to give their heart to you or they've been unfaithful or they may feel a certain way. It's the same way God feels. No, you're going to choose. You're not going to be jumping back and forth, reaping the benefits of Satan and then coming and loving me. God calls that a harlot. But what he's looking for is a bride. He wants us to be set in our minds who we worship, who we love, and who we will serve. Because after all, there is nobody that wants to be married or be with anybody that is like that. Man, I'm with you today. I love you. And then I'm kissing Baal as soon as you walk away. That's not what God wants. He says, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let them therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut it to pieces and lay on the wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood to be put, I mean, and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And let all the people and all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. So you see, this is what you call the showdown on Mount Carmel. Now you guys know the story. Baal's prophets, uh, you know, tried to call on Baal and they were cutting themselves and mutilating their bodies, doing all this stuff to try and get Baal to answer them. And Elijah's sitting back mocking them saying, man, maybe your God is asleep or maybe he's going out pursuing or he's doing something. But when God called the true God of heaven, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the sacrifice. Don't you want to be used of the Lord? Don't you want to be that only narrow-minded one in the workplace that believes God, that stands for Christ, and in doing so, souls got saved? Don't you want that in your life? Don't you want to be the one that stands and believes God? Because those are the only people that are getting in. A compromised person God can't deal with. And you know what? The devil eventually won't deal with you either. The devil has turned most of this world atheist and carnal-minded and into believing other things. But when the devil comes on the scene to be worshipped, he's got no he's got no room for an atheist either. You see, he uses people in a way that it can benefit him to turn people away from God. But after that, he's going to be looking for some loyalty himself. So you're going to choose God or Baal. It's, it's getting late in the game. Enough is enough. 
We're not playing around with the devil and he's not playing around with us. God or Baal. That's what it's going to come down to. Either we believe him and we receive him and get built up in Christ and get covered in that armor to join his army, or we're going to be with Baal and we're going to be against God. Man, we don't want that. We do not want this. Look at Daniel chapter one. I want to make a couple of quick points before we go back to the New Testament. This is nothing new, man. All the saints went through this. All the saints went through this. And that's why, guys, y'all got to understand, I can't stand a cotton candy preacher. I, I really can't, man, because you know what? This is the reason why a lot of Christians are spiritually immature. You see, these guys didn't help you. These guys did things to hurt you. It gave you a false representation of who Jesus is and what he says. If we're going to be ministers, we've got to preach the complete gospel. We must tell people the pros and the cons. If you look at any battery, there's a positive and there's a negative charge. That's how you get power. That's how you get a balanced diet. Not by just, you know, uh, eating sweets or whatever, dessert. No, you got to have a balanced diet, fruits, vegetables, you know, meats or carbs or whatever it is that you have. But you need a balanced diet if you are going to grow. Look at Daniel chapter one, guys. Look at verse one. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, uh, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand uh, with part of the vessels of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasure house of his God. And the king spake to uh, Ashpenaz, I think that's his name, the master of his eunuchs, that he should bring certain of the children of Israel and of the king's seed and of the princes, children in whom was no blemish, but well-favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding science and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach uh, in learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed them a daily provision of the king's meat and of the wine which he drank, so nourishing of them three years that at the end thereof, they might stand before the king. So the king had a plan. He said, find you the best, the most educated, all those healthy people that are of Israel. And I want you to feed them for three years, give them everything that they're gonna need. So when the time comes, they will be loyal to me. This is standard practice of those who take over countries. You wanna be the benevolent benefactor where you're gonna be seen as the good guy. See guys, I'm taking care of everything that you have. So now you can come and worship me. This is the same trick that the devil is doing today by telling people your God don't care for you, but you see what the world has to give you? Everything that you can receive. Look at verse six. And among these were the children of Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, unto whom the prince of the eunuchs gave names, and he uh, gave unto Daniel the name Belteshazzar, 
and to Hananiah of Shadrach, and to Mishael um, of Meshach, and unto Azariah of Benigo. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. So Daniel is recognizing, if I even eat the food of this king, then my heart may turn towards him. And you know that the Israelites were not supposed to touch pork and different things. I'm sure that, you know, the kings ate that stuff. Now, we're not talking about pork. We're talking about those defiling elements that come from the world that many of us feed off of. It turns your heart from the Lord. But if you look at Daniel here, he said, man, I don't even want their food. Okay, because I'm not going to defile myself being loyal to the king. So look at this. It says in verse nine, now God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. And the prince of the eunuchs said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who hath appointed your meat and your drink. But why uh, should he see your faces uh, worse liking than the children which are of your sword? Then shall he make me endanger my head to the king. So, you know, he's talking about if, if they see that Daniel is undernourished or he's looking frail and weak, then it's going to look like this eunuch wasn't taking care of the Israelites. But look at verse 11. Then said Daniel to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, prove thy servants, I beseech thee, 10 days and let them give uh, us poles to eat and water to drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat of the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal uh, with thy servants. So he consented to them in this matter and proved them 10 days. And at the, ten, and at the end of 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children that did eat the portion of the king's meat. So notice they look more nourished eating what they ate and not what the king offered. That's one thing you find about those who are really believers. You guys remember the elders uh, that um, uh, Dick and March? You see how they're 90 years old out there still casting out demons, still distributing the Holy Ghost and doing all these things. Why? Because they live every day for Christ. But you see how you and I got to continue to do certain things to have that presence? These guys have forgotten about the world. They're doing everything that the Lord says. And you look at Pastor Price. Look at how healthy he is at 62, 63. Out there tap dancing and animating and telling people what's what. But you see, that's how God preserves the life of one who lives for him. All right. So anyway, let me make the point. Uh, believe him in verse... Uh, Verse 16, thank you, Deborah. So it says, um, thus Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As uh, for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. Now at the end of the days that the king had said, he should bring them in. Then the prince of the eunuchs brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, therefore stood they before the king. And in all matters of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them 10 times better than all the magicians and astrologers that were in his realm. So you see what you see what's going on here? They didn't defile themselves with the food or the meat or the lights of the king, or like we would say, the world, and they became more productive for the Lord. Now let's skip it over to Daniel 3. Daniel chapter 3, guys. Let's look at verse 1. I want to make a few points here. Because you see, if you start with chapter 1, you can totally understand chapter 3. Now look at Daniel 3, look at verse 1. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He had set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So if you look at Nebuchadnezzar's image, you know it is a man. That's one six. You know that it's 60 cubits high. There's another six and it's six cubits wide. There's another six. So this is a type of antichrist or mark of the beast that this king wants them to bow down to. And Nebuchadnezzar the king sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, and the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So what do you find? Everybody in society is bowing down to this image. You've got the, the princes there. Those are your rich or rulers. You've got the governors. Those are those who are over the law. You've got the captains. They can be a sort of military. You've got the judges themselves. Those are the like, judicial system. The treasurers, they handle the money. The counselors with education. And you got the sheriffs here who enforce the law. This is the whole world that is bowing down to Nebuchadnezzar's image. Look at verse three. Then the princes, the governors, the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the province were gathered together unto the dedication of the image uh, that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried aloud, uh, to you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So notice there was an herald. There was a law. There was a decree put forth. Hey, guys, this is the new law, and everybody has to follow it or else. You know, this is going to happen to me pretty soon because they got this new copper law, okay, that's going on on YouTube. And it's supposed to be to protect the children's rights. And anything else that's not about that, they're going to try and cancel. This is what they're working on. This is what they're going to do. And you know, if anybody, the Christians are going to go first. This is the way they can shut down the word from being preached. And this is going to be in play December 10th. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'll tell you this. The Lord is going to make a way. I don't plan to sit in front of a screen all day anyway. I'm going to be out there in the streets doing the exact same thing. So this is what we must look at. When a herald is cried aloud, because it's the FTC who's in charge of this, the Federal Trade Commission, they're going to shut this stuff down. But does that mean that I'm supposed to stop doing what God says because there was a law put in place? Absolutely not. 
This is the narrow way that a lot of people don't want to walk because they feel like they've got so much to lose. So anyway, look at verse six. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and the languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. So as you can see, everybody bowed down. Everybody got in line with this. Verse eight says, Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews. They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, has made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the soldiery, and dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, he shall be cast in the midst of a burning fiery furnace. So if you look at it here, they already, you know, let's look, let's keep reading. Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom thou canst set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? So if you go from Daniel 1, you realize one thing that they did was they wouldn't even defile themselves with the food of this king. They wanted to eat their own food so that way they wouldn't be in line with the king. Now, what you find in Daniel 2 is Daniel has favor with the king. Daniel could interpret dreams. The king gave them all special positions that they could be in line with the king. But it wasn't long. We didn't go any further than chapter 3 before they became tested that the devil called them out. Okay, you guys are reaping the benefits of Babylon. I want to know what you believe. This is coming to your workplace. This is coming to your school. This is coming to any other place in your life that you think that you're going to skate on by and not have to, um, have to reverence Christ or not have to talk about Jesus. It's coming. If you don't fall for this homosexuality law, if you've got a problem with not talking about Jesus in the workplace, then we're going to hand you your pink slip now and you're going to find another job. This is where we're headed, guys. These guys thought that they could skate on by and be in Babylon, but it wasn't too long before the devil called them out. You think that the devil is gonna let you and I just sit back and reap the benefits of his kingdom and we're not gonna have to stand for Jesus? You better think again. These guys were well prepared to stand in the face of adversity because they knew who they were even though they were in Babylon. They knew how far to take it, how far to go. I work here, but don't get it twisted. I'm not serving your gods. This is all a part of the narrow mind that you and I need to have if we're going to get through this. So anyway, he says in verse, uh, verse 15, now if ye be ready, 
And at what time ye hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry and dulcimer and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have, which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. So they made it clear, King, we're not careful to answer you in this matter. You might be the king over the province where we were enslaved where we were, but you are not my God. We've got to get to that place of Christians to understand God is God and he will not tolerate another in your heart. He says, I am a jealous God. And for those who won't serve him, for those who won't put him first, hey, you know, you're going to have a serious problem with him. We've got to get it set. We've got to get built up. We got to spend time with the Lord that we understand that our God is God. And God is going to allow us to be tested in this way because he needs to know if I weren't around to protect you, would you still love me? Would you still serve me? Would death itself make you disobey me? These are things that God needs to know from us narrow-minded Christians. If we're going to serve the Lord, then we can't be compromised because it's going to come down to this. This is a picture of the end times when he talked about heating the furnace seven times hotter than it wants to be heated. That's a type of tribulation. This is where we're headed. And we've got to know what we believe and we've got to put our trust in the Lord. Look at verse 19. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it wanted to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their hosen and, um, and their hats and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. I want you guys to look at this real good. They were bound in the, in the burning fiery furnace. They were tied up. That's the same thing that's going to happen with God's church. Right now, we're bound. Let's just face it. Let's just be real. We're bound. You don't see us ringing in a harvest like no other time. You don't see a lot of God's work being done. We're bound to the world. We're bound to our hearts. We're bound to the things that we love in this world. But you see, they're in right now the tribulation. Look at this. Did Nebuchadnezzar the king, let's see, uh, look at verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto the counselors, did not we cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? 
They answered and said unto the king, true, O king. He answered and said, lo, I see four men loose. They're loose now and walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. So we know that the Lord was there with them in their trial. But what did he do during their trial? He set them free. You know, guys, this is why, and this is a, a small little victory in Christ, but there are no small victories in Jesus. But the one thing I can add to my credit today is I'm not afraid to lose my job because I've lost jobs for Christ. You see what trial and tribulation do to you? You see how it sets you free? You see how I can go on and trust God no matter what? And that's why I'm not going to stop doing his work where I am, because I know that God will take care of me. But for those who have never lost their jobs for Christ, those who have never been through that, in some ways, they're still bound because they don't know what's going to happen. That's just something small. But imagine it coming down to jail. Imagine it coming down to losing family members and friends and things like that. You see how being with Christ and going through and being tested sets you free? You know, you know, some things we can't part with, so God's got to break them for us. He's got to make sure they don't work so you don't bring that mess back in your house again. But this is what God will do. He sets you free with the truth. He sets you free with trial. He sets you free with tribulation. So never be afraid to represent Christ. Don't be afraid. Because for everything that we're afraid to do, it will bind you. It binds you when you can't speak for God. That's what's keeping your mouth shut at times when you should be speaking for Christ. You feel it in your gut. You feel it in your heart. But the words won't come out. You know why? Because you're bound to something that is not God. And that's the broad way. All right, Lord, I know that I can't, you know, come through this door alone, but I'm going to try and pull my couch through. And hopefully that will happen. I'm going to try and pull my TV, my career, everything I want through, but it won't go through. We've got to get into a place of trusting God, setting our affections on him, and he'll do the rest. Yes, Sarah. I want to make a point on something that you said earlier about the baggage, how we have too much baggage that we're trying to take in. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the eye of the needle um, mm -hmm. talks about, you know, uh, after the city would close, the, the, the men, when they had their camels, had to take their mm -hmm. camels to a smaller door. Mm -hmm. Well, in order to do so, they had to take all the stuff off of the camels, and then the camel had to get down and then go through. Mm -hmm. So it's the same thing with us. In order to go through that door, all the baggage and all the hurt and all the pain, all the bitterness, everything that we have in our life has got to come off of us, and that's the only way that we're going to go through Absolutely. You know, and that's how you get free because we're bound to a lot of things. If we think we're free, test those things with the things that we love most in our lives. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that you're still bound. You'll see there's a lot of things that we're not willing to part with to serve Christ. And like I said, these things take time. This is not an overnight process. There were many things the Lord told me to leave alone and I went back to because my heart was attached. Are those things still on me today? No. But you see, it's all about giving God time to do what he needs to do. But I will say to the young out there and those that are young in Christ, you might've seen your elders fool around with it, but you don't fool around with it because God's about to do something special. Take this word and believe it, walk with the Lord and don't make the same mistakes we did because a lot of things we did in ignorance, a lot of things we did not understand. But you know what? Times are getting rough. 
Times are getting worse, and we've got to be single-minded for Christ. If other people want to play with their salvation, hey, you got nothing to do with that. Make sure you don't play around with yours. Because I didn't read the rest of Luke 11, where the Lord says, when an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. So in other words, when God delivers you from demons, that these demons will actually walk and look around for openings and ways that they can get back into your life. But he says, when the demons find or the unclean spirits find that your house is swept and garnished, no Holy Ghost, back to the world, back to old lust and desires, he will um, let seven other demons come in. And the later state of that person is worse than the first. What a lot of people are fighting through today is things that they have let back in. But if God is sanctifying you and cleansing you, man, let God work. One of our brothers that was with the uh, ministry and, you know, we still talk, you know, we still laugh and joke and talk about things is brother Carlin. You guys remember Carlin? One thing about Carlin is, you know, when he got into this thing, he took this thing deadly serious. That was one thing. Carlin didn't say a lot. Carlin didn't, you know, say a whole lot of stuff. He might have smiled. He might have said, hey, man, he may have written down notes. But one thing is for sure, Carlin took this thing serious. Whatever it was he learned or whatever, okay, well, I'm done with that. And he said he felt like as he was sitting up under the process and learning, he said that it looked like the Lord was just snapping every band away from him so that he could be with the Lord. You know, but I'm not trying to uplift a man. I'm just making the point that when you find someone that is willing to obey God, you know, you can have a lot of things taken off of you early. But if we want to fool around and play with God, we're going to find ourselves bound up. And we're going to be compromised and we're going to even make excuses for the things that we don't want to part with. So he says, look at verse 26, the Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the, uh, of the midst of the fire. And the princes, governors, and captains, and the kings, counselors being gathered together, saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted in him, and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own. So if you look at verse 28, man, this thing is packed. He says, the angel of the Lord delivered his servants that were in the tribulation. He says that trusted in him. Those who trust in God are the narrow-minded Christians. And then he said, um, have changed the king's word. So they believed even to the point that the king had to change his decree because they stood for God and God stood for them. And what happened with that? Nebuchadnezzar got to see that God was God. Why do you think he's putting us through trials? He wants us to see that God is God. He wants us to be that example for him. But if we're compromised, if we're going along to get along, if all we're looking for is the broad way to peacefully coexist with the devil, then people won't know who God is. God will show himself when he's ready. 
but God wants to show the world who he is through us. And if we're not seeking the narrow way, then man, we are going to get compromised. Jesus says, the light of the body is the eye. If thy eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If the light that is in the eye be darkness, how great is that darkness? So we gotta be careful what we take in. We must have a single eye. We must look for the narrow way. We must look for an uncompromising faith, unshakable, that is willing to follow the Lord and do what he says. Because other than that, God can't get the job done. He'll get his job done. He's just gonna find somebody else. So let us sit through the process of working with the Lord. Let him build us up that we may have our houses on, on that rock, that we may be able to stand in the face of all adversity. Okay, uh, James chapter four. I'm only gonna do uh, two more. James chapter four. And let's look at verse one. James 4, look at verse 1. Everybody there? That book was like sandpaper. I'm like, please, somebody, thank you. I'm like, man, I'm not even going to be able to talk tomorrow. I'm pretty sure of that. I'm a horse. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. So man, we ain't watch you. We ain't come to watch you drink water, man. Keep on talking. Oh, that's mm -hmm. the water you're talking. No, yeah. <laughs> that's the living water. Yeah. All right, James four. Look at verse one. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even of your lust that war in your members? So where's the fighting taking place, guys? It's on the inside. It's in the body. We must conquer inner space for Christ before we can conquer outer space. We can't tell people to do things and we're doing the same things. So that war, you know, among lust or in our lust, it's it's the war in our members. He says, ye lust and ye, and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have. Ye cannot obtain, ye fight and war, yet ye have not because you ask not. Ye ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. So you see, this is a big part of the, the broad mind. There's a lot of silly, stupid things that we ask God for in the wrong spirit. Sometimes we ask God for the right things in the wrong spirit. Like, Lord, give me this, give me that. Lord, can you save my friend? And you know what the real reason is? You wanna marry her. And Lord is like, no, I'm not gonna save her for you. I'm gonna save her to save her. If he puts you with him, then he does. But the whole goal is we can ask amiss. We can ask with the wrong motives. Lord, give me the spirit so that your gifts can manifest in me. Why, so you can show off in front of other people? You see, God knows, man, he knows every heart. He knows what, what where the intent is concerning us. God make you rich. God won't make some of us rich. You know why? He don't wanna lose you. 
He knows that you'll get rich and lose your mind. A lot of people were given the gifts of the spirit and lost their minds. They've gone off the deep end. Look at Solomon, giving riches and wisdom. And next thing you know, I need a thousand women. Where did that come from? He lost his way. You see what I'm saying? So you got to get in that place of obeying God and just letting him work with you. So he says, you ask and you receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your lust. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. Do we believe this? If you befriend the world, you are the enemy of God. Why is that? Because if God can use you, then the enemy can use you as well. This is the war that takes place with us. Sometimes we really have a fervent desire to serve the Lord, but oh, I forgot I had that thing I had to do. That's where the war takes place. Now, if I don't, if I don't do this, then I'm not gonna reap the benefits of what's in the carnal. But if I do it, then I might lose that other thing. He says, man, friendship with the world is enmity against God. That doesn't mean we're gonna sail off and go somewhere outside of the world. We just gotta be in this world, but not of it. That's the bottom line. Let Christ lead your steps wherever you are. And one thing the Lord will have any child of his do is represent him eventually. Look at verse five. Do you think that the scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? So do you think the spirit itself that is given to us lusteth to envy, desires the foolishness of this world, and have you seeking after the elusive carrot, the American dream? You think that's why we have the spirit? There's nothing wrong with the American nightmare, but the point is, is <laughs> that we've got to get to the place of, you know, trusting God and letting him take you through. He, he promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego after that fiery trial. But how many of us are willing to take a stand for the Lord that we may be exalted for him? We're going to get tested. Look at verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. So you see what the problem is? The problem isn't the things that you want in this life. The problem is the double mind, the one that doesn't know which end is God, the one that Elijah asked, how long do you stand between two opinions? You know, who are you going to choose to serve? That's why he began, when we, when we started this teaching, the renewing of your mind. Don't be conformed to the world and let the world, let the Lord transform your mind because it's gonna take the mind of Christ to walk through this. You want the Lord to govern your thoughts. Double-minded. Double-minded means wavering, uncertain, doubting, divided in interest. There you have it. And we all have a place in our life that we're there, but we've gotta to submit to the process of the Lord and let him show us what these things are and take these things from us. You know, last scripture of the night, let's go to Luke 14 and I'm gonna close from there. Luke chapter 14 and look at verse 16.
Thank you, Jesus. Luke chapter 14, guys, let's look at verse 16. He says, then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come, for all are now ready. And they all with one consent began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must needs go to see it, I pray thee, have me excused. So what is this pretty much? The Lord coming to us, you know, letting us know the marriage supper is coming. When we preach the gospel to people, we're letting people know, hey man, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You don't want to miss this party. Jesus is going to be there. He's going to transform your life. He's going to change you. You're going to live with him in eternity. And this right here is a sinking ship. So when he bid them to come, these people began to make excuses. One guy said, man, I got a piece of land that I got to take care of. You know, ask the Lord to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and shewed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house being angry said unto his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the whole and the blind. Now notice he went after those who would be willing to receive it. Those who are poor, recognizing their need for Jesus. Those who are maimed, can't do anything without Jesus. Those who are halt and confused, need the mind of Christ because they're done making it their own way. And the blind who cannot see. These are the people that the Lord is looking for, those who are dependent on him, those who desire him, because no one will come to the gospel as long as you've got your own mind, your own will, and your own heart. It's got to be those that recognize, Lord, I can't do it without you. Look at verse 22. And the servant said, Lord, it is done, and thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So the Lord is like, man, I want more kids. I want more people in this thing. Go out and compel them, get them to come in, get them to believe. So he says in verse 24, and I say unto you that none of those men which were bidden, which were asked before ahead of time, shall taste of my supper. And there went great multitudes with him. And he turned and said unto them, if any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and his own life uh, also, he cannot be my disciple. So you know that, the dis <laughs> that disciples are the only people that God works through. A disciple is one who sits in a disciplined fashion, learning the ways of Christ, submitting to the process that they can be changed. Now, we're going to clarify this hate because a lot of people would say, I wouldn't want to serve a God that hates. He's not talking about hatred. If you can't take being hated by these people, if you love anything that was named on this list more than Christ, you cannot be a servant of Jesus Christ. I've seen marriages go through this kind of trouble. You'll find a husband or wife that will get saved, 
go home and tell their spouse about it. And what will their spouse say? Man, if you're going to be involved in this crazy stuff, then I'm divorcing you. I'm done because I'm not serving the Lord. Now what? If you love the Lord, sometimes you find things like that are just tests. God will allow that. He's going to save your wife or husband, but he wants to see how serious you are. Are you going to stand for him? But if you say, well, Lord, I would like to, but, you know, my wife don't want it and I, I can't do it. Hey, man, you're going to perish with them. But that's why it's important that we love Christ no matter what, because we've got to be narrow minded in this thing. So you can't be a disciple of Christ if you love any of these things more than Jesus. You know, look at verse seven, uh, 27. He says, and whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Do you see, everybody talks about Jesus's love and his love is evident. But do you realize how extreme Jesus is? You see how he's not fixed, you know, two different ways. You see how he doesn't double talk. You see how he makes it plain that this is what he wants. So the only thing that keeps us from believing the word is the double heart and the double mind. Because what he said is plain. And he didn't say, ha ha, guys, I was just kidding. Or in some circumstances, this can be. He makes it very clear to those who desire to follow him. If you're not going to take up your cross and die daily to yourself, your lust and your desires, and follow after Jesus, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. That is the narrow way. That's what it's all about. Now, all we got to ask ourselves is, who do we love more? Look at verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it, lest haply after he have laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it began to mock him. So the Lord is very realistic in this thing, guys. He's telling us to count the cost. Man, count the cost. I know following me ain't going to be easy. I know there's going to be some things that you're going to part with. I know that things are going to seem grievous at first. But when you continue under the chastening of the Lord, he's going to bring forth those peaceable fruit. You know, a lot of things we don't understand until we get into a thing. And then all of a sudden it becomes easier. Why? Your nature is changing. You're not resisting the process. You are growing in the grace of Christ to be that new creature. That's what this is about. I'm, I'm about done, guys. Just a couple more lines. He says, saying that this man was not, um, this man began to build and was not able to finish. For what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him that have 20,000, or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage or like ambassador and desireth conditions of peace. So likewise, whosoever he be of you, that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Now you see, people will get mad at me for preaching this, but they're not mad at me, they're mad at Jesus. They didn't like that kind of Jesus. They're looking for a different kind of Jesus. They're looking for a 21st century Jesus, 21st century Jesus, one that accommodates all. And you know what? If people want a Jesus like that, they're going to have him, but he is going to be the Antichrist. The Antichrist is gonna come, make everybody feel good 
in the carnal, but he means to destroy you. But one thing about Jesus, he knows, hey guys, it ain't easy to walk with me. I know this, so you count the cost. Verse 34, salt is good, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be seasoned? It is neither fit for the land, nor yet for the dunghill, but men cast it out. He that have ears to hear, let him hear. So if you can't be the salt, the preservative of God, to put the flavor on what God is looking for, that his word and everything that he calls for will last, then we're nothing good but for the dunghill. And that's what it truly means to be a narrow-minded Christian. You've got to get to the place of forsaking all to walk with Jesus. Is he going to take it all away from you in one shot? No. He works with us in pieces and stages that we may grow. God knows if he took everything away from you in one shot, you would not be able to handle it. But whatever area the Holy Ghost takes out, I mean, whatever things are put out, the Holy Ghost fills that area. He performs surgery on us to get our minds right, to get our hearts right, to get us healthy and get us obedient. So God ain't going to snatch everything out of your life because you won't understand it. He works with us in stages, and that's how we need to be. So you see, to follow Christ takes a lot, but the only ones that will be able to do it will be those narrow-minded Christians, uncompromised, you know, not willing to slip and fall and be all over the place, carried about by every wind of doctrine. We got to get on the true doctrine. We got to know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and we've got to follow him. Forget what the world says about you. The world is blind, okay? The world is condemned. The world can't even hear God, neither does it know him. So why would you care about what they've got to say? When you were with them, you were crazy and out of your mind. So how could you, How could they know what was right? So you see, we've got to get in line with the Lord, follow him, get built up in him and trust him so that we can truly stay and be those narrow-minded Christians. So. I just want to say to people with that, I love you. None of this stuff is personal to me. This is all about forging soldiers that, that are vessels that will, God will use in those days because that's what he's going to need. He's going to need a bride that believes on him even until death doesn't part. They're going to have to be there with him. So I love you. And if you know you're not saved and nobody knows this more than you, give your life to Jesus Christ today while there is time. Repent of your sins. Turn away from your wicked ways. Give all things over to him. Believe that Jesus Christ died for you. You know, if you confess your sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins, and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Don't make excuses for what you do. Give it all to the Lord. Confess it. Tell him that you hate it. Tell him that you want to part from it, and he will do it. And once again, we must know that Jesus Christ is the only way. He is the door. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is everything that we need. Because if we step outside of that, guys, we're going to get compromised. So he's coming back for a church without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. All right. So let's just uh, pray. We can close out from there. This stuff ain't personal. When we do this stuff, we're warring with demons. We know that. So when I see demons are agitated, what do I do? Preach it hard. Preach it loud because you find at the end of it, the glaze gets taken off of their eyes and people come to themselves. That's what it's all about. 
All right, so let's pray. Any volunteers for prayer tonight? Anybody need prayer for anything? All right, sounds good. Anyone need prayer? Thank you. Yeah, Adrian. Where are y'all going again? Heavenly Father, Lord God, in Jesus' name, I just want to come to you tonight, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I just want to say thank you, Lord God. Thank you for all and everything that you've done for us, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. I just want to say thank you, Lord God, for your grace, for your love, and for your mercy, Lord Jesus, and your patience, and your long-suffering, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, everything that you endured, that you took to the cross, Lord Jesus Christ, we will never, ever be able to repay that, Lord Jesus. But it is so yes, humbling us, Lord God, to think about what you took on the cross, Lord Jesus. You were spat upon, Lord God. You were mocked. You were slapped, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you were beaten. You were bruised for our iniquities, Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. You were bruised for the iniquities of, of those men that smote you, Lord Jesus Christ, that they would be saved, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. And I just want to say thank you, Lord, for your ultimate love, Lord Jesus Christ, upon our lives, Lord God, that you were able to heal us from everything that we are going through, Lord Jesus Christ. You were able to heal us from the hurt, from the pain, Lord God, from the bitterness, Lord Jesus Christ, from the drugs. From the homosexuality, Lord God, from the alcoholism, Lord Jesus Christ, yes, from the Lord. insecurities that we live, Lord God, from the past hurts, Lord Jesus. I'm a living testimony of that, Lord God, of what you can do in somebody's life, how you can change us, Lord Jesus Christ, yes, into Lord. the image that you created, Lord God, yes, from the image that Satan tried to make in and of himself, Lord Jesus. You can change everything yes, if we Lord. only just give ourselves over to you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. We all have a testimony here tonight, Lord Jesus. We were not born saved. Lord God, we had to become saved. We had to want to be like you, Lord Jesus Christ. So I thank you, Lord God, for your glory. I thank yes, you, Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, for the Holy Spirit, Lord God. Yes, Lord. I even thank you for the tests and the trials that we are put through, that we know where our faith stands and it is on the rock of our salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Thank, thank you, Lord God. Lord. And I pray, Jesus, in your holy Lord name, Jesus. Lord God, that we yes, do not Lord. become complacent, that we do not conform to this world, Lord Jesus Christ, but that we come out of this world, Lord God, and yes, that we Lord. do your will, Lord Jesus, that we will stay encouraged, that we will stay strong, Lord Jesus Christ, that thank we will you, stay Lord. in you, Lord God. And Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you also for Everyone that came tonight, Lord, and I want to thank you for the listeners that were on tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, for the yes, new Lord. listeners that were on tonight, Lord God, for the people that you've led here, Lord Jesus, that they will come to know you, that they will stay strong yes, and encouraged in you, Lord Jesus, because we do not glory in ourselves, Lord God. All of the glory, all of the honor, and all of the praise belongs to you, Jesus. Yes, Lord Jesus. So thank you, Lord God. Work in our lives. Work in their lives, Lord Jesus, that whatever you've called us to do, Whatever you're calling them to do, Lord Jesus Christ, they will stay strong in you. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for those that support this ministry, Lord yes, God. Lord. Thank you for Omega ministry, Lord Jesus. Pastor Price, yes, Sister Lord. Barbara, and all of them, Lord God. Thank you for their ministry, Lord Jesus Christ, that we were able to grow from, Lord God. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, Thank you, that you continue to strengthen their ministry, Lord Jesus Christ, as they are also going through. And I pray, Lord God, for all those other ministries out there tonight, Lord Jesus Christ, wherever they may be, those that are preaching and teaching the truth, Lord, that you give them the strength, that you give them the encouragement to go through the fire, Lord God. If we want to know what it is to be with you, Lord Jesus Christ, 
We have got to go through the fire. Yes, we have Lord. got to be purged. We have got to be refined, Lord God, you, just like those Hebrew boys did, Lord God, that we may glory in you, not in ourselves. So yes, thank you, Jesus. And I pray, Lord God, also for my, my nephew tonight, Andrew, as he's going to the Amazon next week, Lord Jesus, and his mission team, that you give him the strength and the encouragement, Lord God. I'm thankful, Lord Jesus, not only for him, but the other young people. Lord God, we have got to reach this youth because the devil already has. So, Lord Jesus Christ, let your will be done in their lives as well, Lord, that people will be saved. Yes, Thank Lord. you, Lord God. And I pray wherever your mission field is for us, like our brother and sister, Sam and Deborah, Lord God, and the place that they're going to, that, Lord Jesus Christ, that those people can be reached as well. Yes, Lord. And I thank you, Lord God, that they answered the call upon their lives to go, Lord. And if wherever you're calling us to go, Lord, whether it's here or wherever else it is, Lord Jesus Christ, that we will go. Lord God, I mean, if it's Portland, if it's wherever the state it is, Lord Jesus Christ, we go. Let yes. your will be done in our lives, Lord God, for your glory, that other lives will be saved and that we will be sanctified. Yes, Lord thank Jesus. you, Lord. In Jesus Christ, your most holy name, thank I pray. You, Amen. Thank you, Lord. And I want to tell people to uh, get the organic gospel book. You know, uh, this proves that the gospel is organic. We heard a lot of organic terms tonight, but I think that this is a good study tool for someone that is beginning in the word and even those that have been in religion a long time and don't understand this. Get this book, guys, because you can't try to be a Christian, okay? You have to have the organic growth, which is in Jesus Christ, that we can have. All right, this book is $13.95. You can get it at www.theorganicgospel.net. And I think it would be a good read. So, you know, don't cheat yourself. Treat yourself on some good word that you can have some understanding. Okay, so um, I just want to say with that, guys, I'm Minister Derek Hallett of Sound the Trumpet Ministries. Soundthetrumpetministries.com. Thank you, Sister Teresa G. Uh, you guys know Sarah is here, uh, brother Ant, brother Timotheus, oh, brother Art, sorry, brother Timotheus. Let's see, uh, who else was on tonight? Okay, Derek, Jeff, oh man, I go all the way up the list. Sister Tatiana, uh, Sister Latoya, uh, let's see, who else? Oh, man, I got to go way up there. Well, you know, with Sister Tara, Sister Tanisha, uh, Brother Kev, thank you for being on tonight. Brother Kev and I, we're like Batman and Robin in this thing, man. Timothy. Yeah, I got Timotheus. Oh, Kim. Oh, Sister Kim. Yeah. Sister Kim, Brother Jake. You guys know Brother Jake. Let's see. All right. Well, look like that's everybody. Brother Sal. Uh, yeah, it looked like that might be it, but, but I just want to say I love you all, guys. Uh, Coach P, uh, don't forsake your prayer closet. Spend time with the Lord. You know, share the uh, share the word if it's been a blessing to you. So I love you all, guys, and at least until next week, have a good night.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.